You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Paragold, a church committed to making the real Jesus known to every man, woman, and child. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagold.com. Welcome. So glad to uh, see you this morning as we actually come to a close in our series that we've entitled The Way. And this is a series that we actually plan to revisit a couple times every year as a church. And what we're doing basically is um, because we believe that we cannot live the life of Jesus apart from adopting the lifestyle of Jesus, what we're doing a couple times every year is just picking a couple disciplines from Jesus' life and we're learning how to practice these things together. And this morning, what I'm going to attempt to do is tie off our series on prayer by addressing this big, awkward elephant in the room, which is this question. Why is it that some of our prayers are answered, while many other prayers seem to go unanswered? That's the question that I want us to try to get at and to answer this morning. And to kind of help us jump off into the sermon, we're going to start in John chapter 14. And I want you to look with me in verses 13 and 14. Let's read these together, and then I will pray for us again. John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put the text on the screen for you. Hey, BJ, would you mind to shut these back doors back there? I'm getting a little bit of an echo back on my part. Thanks. John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask Anything in my name, I will do it. Let's pray together one more time. Father, I thank you so much for the wonderful opportunity that we have to come to you and call you Father. I thank you for once again bringing us into this room um, to worship you through song and now through the preaching of your word. And uh, Father, we just ask that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, will take the words that are about to be spoken and that you will drive them into our hearts. Uh, Father, we desperately need you. We all come in here today with with doubts and fears and questions. And um, even on our best days, I feel like a lot of us just barely believe the gospel. And so we need you right now to do what only you can do in the short time that we have together. And it's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. Well, on September 10th, Emily Carpenter, who's a member of our church, contacted me to let me know that my daughter's kindergarten teacher had been in a bad wreck. And at the time, Emily and her uh, husband, Ryan, they worked the wreck, and they didn't know exactly what was going to come from this incident, but they uh, believed that Blake and Haley and Haley's unborn son, Sage, were going to be okay. However, um, Finley, their two-year-old daughter, was being airlifted to Memphis and was in critical condition, and they didn't know if she was going to be able to make it. And so they broke this news to me, and immediately I called Adam because Adam's daughter, Lucy Blue, is in the same kindergarten class with Nora, with Miss Deck. And we decided together, we didn't really know anything about their spiritual background or if they had much of a support. But So we decided um, that we wanted to go down to Memphis to just be present with this family, uh, to pray for healing and, and that God would just be with them in a special way. And so on the way down to Memphis, we are 
praying like crazy that God would continue to protect Sage and praying like crazy that he'd bring about some sort of miracle that only he could get glory for by, by healing, uh, healing Finley. And so we're praying, and while we're praying, the, the news of what's happened in the Deck family is spreading throughout Paragold and beyond. And so by the time we get to the hospital, thousands of people are praying for this family. However, whenever we walked into the hospital, we found out that Sage, they thought that he was going to be perfectly okay, had actually lost his heartbeat and died. And then to make matters worse, we go in and we pray for Finley and we say, hey man, we believe God can, can heal, he can do miraculous things. And I know the doctors are saying it don't look good, but we still believe that God can, can, can save this little girl's life. And so we pray fervently with the family there in the waiting room. But then a couple hours of praying, Finley is taken off of the vent and she died. What do you do with that kind of story? Like, like, what do you do whenever clearly you have thousands of people praying for something that appears to be so good, and yet you get silence? I think about uh, Robert and Tammy Smith, who are members in our church, and with us this morning. And, and um, you know, on, on November 27, 2012, they welcomed their first son, Fletcher, into this world. And rather than getting to celebrate his fifth birthday tomorrow, they will grieve that over the fact that after eight and a half months of being in the hospital with their son, and after so many procedures and testing and praying alongside thousands of others, rather than their son being healed, he died. Like, where do you file that as a Christian? Like, what do you do with stories like this where people pray and they pray and they pray and they pray and yet nothing seems to happen? And with these stories in mind, and I'm sure you have your own stories, I want you to listen again. And I want to read this text again from John 14. And I want you to hear the words of Christ here in John 14 and chapter 15 and 16. Because notice what Jesus says again. In verse 13, he says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask, what's the word there? If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you flip over to John 15, verse 7, he says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. You go down to verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. One more place I want you to look at. Flip over to John 16. In verse 23 and 24, John 16, 23 and 24, Jesus says, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, but ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, but five times. In one short section, Jesus makes a promise. Hey, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I don't know about you, but I read this and I'm like, am I missing something here? I mean, really, Jesus? Like, anything? I mean, if that's true, what do you do with the deck story? What do you do with Robert and Tammy's story? And all the other stories that I'm sure you could share Today, I mean, what do you do with the fact that we do have within our church so many wonderful stories of healing 
and of God's miraculous provision and doing things that are just incredible that can only be explained by, by him intervening. What do you do with those stories? But then also uh, putting those stories up against the other stories where we see despite our persistent prayers, we still experience death and disease and all kinds of dysfunction. And I think, like, you know, the simple answer to this question is actually, and this is an answer I don't think any of you really struggle with, and you probably already know this, but, but a simple answer to that question of why we have so many unanswered prayers is plain and simple. A lot of times we just don't pray in Jesus' name, right? I mean, if you notice again in John 14, verses 13 to 14, Jesus says, you know, I will give you whatever you ask for if you ask in my name. Now, on the surface level, and maybe some of you were taught this growing up, you might believe that when Jesus says, ask anything in my name, what he is saying here is if you just tack my name onto your prayers, I'll do whatever you want, right? So some of you, maybe you even grew up with this idea that you can say, hey, God, will you give me a million dollars? And if he's like, no, we're like, okay, will you give me a million dollars in Jesus' name? And I got to be like, oh, okay, I guess I'll do it since you said in Jesus' name, right? Like some of you really believe that, but that's not at all what Jesus is talking about here. To pray in Jesus' name is not like the open says me that unlocks all of your wildest dreams. Rather, to pray in Jesus' name is simply to pray in his nature. It's to pray in line with Jesus' heart for the universe. And therefore, a simple answer to the question today of why so many of our prayers go unanswered is because a lot of times we just pray out of line with God's will for our lives. Rather than going to God and saying, God, I want to see thy kingdom come and thy will be done... We say, God, I want to see my kingdom come and my will be done. And because God loves us too much to give us something that he knows that eventually will terminate on us, right? He says, I'm not going to answer some of those prayers. And listen, here's the deal. I think most of us in here get that, right? It's like clearly like that doesn't, that's not what creates the tension today. It's like, I get it. If I pray something outside of God's will, of course he shouldn't answer it because his will is better than my will. But here's the question I want to get after today. What about whenever it looks like we are praying in his name? What about whenever we are praying for what appears to be something very good and God-glorifying? What about when you're praying for the healing of your child? What about whenever you're praying for, for, uh, you know, for your marriage to be restored or maybe for your, your son or daughter to turn to God? What about whenever you pray for these things and you still don't get an answer? This is the question that I want to run after. And to help us process it today, um, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you basically seven reasons for why I think our prayers don't go answered. And don't freak out. Some of you are like, a seven-point sermon? Are you kidding me? We'll never get out of here, right? Like, yes, this is my first seven-point sermon, but actually it's going to be more like a lecture than a sermon. So I promise you we will get out of here on time. And hopefully um, there will be some practical responses and things you can take away of why so many of our prayers do at times go unanswered. And the first reason that I want to give today for unanswered prayer is this. One of the reasons that we have unanswered prayer in this world is because of contradiction. Some prayers are not going to be answered because they are going to contradict other prayers. And here's what I mean by that. There are 7 billion people on this planet right now. Of the 7 billion people, I think it's probably safe to say that millions of them at least are probably praying at the same time every day. And because of this, some prayers are going to be contradictory to another. Let me give you a couple of examples. Just a few weeks ago, Paragold and Tech played in a crosstown rival game, right? And for those of you that are sports fans, you know that Tech actually captured, they won the Battle of the Bell this year. And the way the game went down is our very own Garrett Stovall, who's a quarterback for Tech, and our very own Eli Mason, 
Eli, good to see you back there in the back, um, who's wide receiver for Tech. Um, they hooked up for like a 50-yard pass with two seconds left on the clock, and they beat Paragould to bring home the bell. Now, here's the thing. Think about this. While the ball is in the air, not only do we have parents in our church who have kids that play for Tech, we also have parents in our church that have kids that play for Paragould. So while the ball is in the air, you have Christian parents who are praying from Tech for Eli to not drop the ball, while you have parents from Paragould praying that he will drop the ball. Well, God's going to have to answer one of those prayers, but then there's going to be another prayer that's going to go unanswered, clearly. Right? And that's just one example. Here's another example. Think of a bride who is praying on her wedding day that it will not rain, while a mile down the road, a farmer who's in the middle of a drought is praying that God will bring the rain. Someone's going to have a prayer that goes answered. Someone's going to have a prayer that goes unanswered. Um, here's just one more example. How many of you went shopping on Black Friday? Never mind, don't admit it. Never mind, keep your hands down. <laughs> Black Friday is crazy, right? And just imagine, like, you're in the parking lot, and you're circling around, and you just begin to pray, God, please, please open a parking spot for me. And finally, you see a parking spot open up, and you're like, oh, that's the one. Like, God, hold it for me. I know it. I'm going to claim it in Jesus' name. Like, keep the parking spot open. But imagine you're praying that while another member from fellowship is praying the exact same thing. Right? Like, someone's prayer is going to get answered. Someone's prayer is not going to go answered. Now, you're asking me, like, does, does God play favorites? Well, Garrett and Eli would say, obviously. I mean, we have the bell, don't we? Right? <laughs> but here's the point. For God to say yes to one prayer at times is to say no to another. Simply because of contradiction. The second reason that <clears throat> I think we see unanswered prayer is because we live in a fallen world. Some prayers are not answered because, as it says in Romans 8, 20 through 21, creation has been subjected to futility and has not yet been fully liberated from its bondage to decay. What this means today is, listen, even if you are a Christian, even if you read your Bible every day and you show up here every Sunday and you tithe and you are involved in the missional community, because we live in a sinful world, your life on planet Earth will not be without suffering. Because we live in a fallen world by around fallen people, there are times where our life is going to be very difficult. And I think this is important for us to understand today, especially as Americans, because as Americans, we live in this affluent culture. where We have so many modern conveniences at our fingertips, and therefore, I think our culture, more than any other culture in the world, we often feel entitled to a painless middle-class lifestyle. We think that basically we all should live to an old age and die in our sleep with plenty of money in our bank account. But the truth is, guys, listen, because we live in a sinful, fallen world, we will all at times experience pain and suffering and loss on this earth until the day that Christ returns. And Jesus is clear on this. I mean, he says in John 16, 33, for example, this is Jesus' words. He says, in this world, you will have troubles. Notice he doesn't say in John 16, 33, in this world, you might have troubles. Notice he doesn't say, if you don't play your cards just right, I mean, yeah, you might kind of, you know, things might kind of backfire on. You know, he says, in this world, no matter who you are or where you come from, no matter how close you try to follow me, you will have troubles. In 1 Peter 4.12, Peter says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. You hear what Peter just said? He says, look, when something bad happens to you, you shouldn't just, like, have your minds blown by that. You should be like, oh, I can't believe this. I'm following Jesus. Like, why in the world would something bad possibly happen in my life? 
What Peter just said in here is because, again, we live in a world that's been fractured by sin. Bad stuff does happen to good people. Cars will break down. Relationships, because God has created us with free will, relationships at times will fall apart because we will choose to be selfish and live for ourselves rather than God and others. People will at times get sick. I mean, even on Friday, right? Like I came down with a bug. I mean, I try to eat clean. I exercise, right? I tend to be faithful. I think I'm trying to give my life to, to God and his kingdom. But still, there's times where people get sick. And this is just a normal part of life. And listen, don't confuse, me, don't confuse what I'm saying this morning. I'm not saying that we should like suffering. I'm not saying we should be cool with suffering. But we absolutely better accept it as a reality in this life. Because if you do not accept suffering as a reality in this life, here's what's going to happen. When suffering hits, rather than it driving you closer to God, it's going to drive you further away from God. That is why Martin Lloyd-Jones says the following. He says, if you believe that God's children should never be ill and that no Christian should ever die from a disease, if you believe that and you find yourself or someone who is dear to you dying from some incurable disease, you'll be miserable, unhappy, and depressed in your spiritual life. The truth is there are moments, praise God, where we see God's future kingdom break into this present world, where we see him heal the sick or open the eyes of the blind or give a child to the childless. But because God's kingdom is not here fully yet, we will still experience moments in this life of darkness and disease and death and decay. That's just a reality on this side of heaven. The third reason at times that we will see unanswered prayer is because of God's best. Some of our prayers are not answered because God has something better for us. Um, as the great theologian Garth Brooks once said, he says, remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. That's awesome. Some of you are singing this in your head. Yeah. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. How many of you could tell a story of something you prayed for, but looking back on it, you're like, I'm so glad God did not answer that prayer. Raise your hand. How many of you... Yes, I can tell so many stories like that. I think about some of the things I prayed for as a freshman in college. Like if God would have answered those prayers, we wouldn't be here right now. Like honestly, like this church would not be in Paragold. I would be dead in a Lamborghini or married to the wrong person like doing God knows what, right? There are all sorts of things that, that we pray for that we often think we need. But looking back on it, we realize like, that was a stupid request. I'm so glad God didn't give me that. And that's why Garth Brooks says we need to thank God for unanswered prayers. Because as we looked at last week with Tim Keller, Tim Keller says when it comes to prayer, God will always either give us what we ask if it's a good gift, or he will always give us what we would have asked for if we knew all that he knows. You know, it's a good sermon in the South, by the way, when you get Garth Brooks and Tim Keller pitted right up against each other. The truth is, we have a very limited view of what's going on in the world today. We do not see the whole picture, and therefore there are times when we pray for something we think is going to be good, but in reality, if God gave it to us, it would harm us, it would harm maybe our children, or it would keep us from experiencing the better thing that God knows that we need more than the thing that we're asking for. And that's the third reason why we experience an answer prayer. The fourth reason that I think we don't always get answers to our prayers is because of relationship. 
And what I mean by this is some prayers aren't answered because God himself is greater. He's the greater answer than the thing that we are asking for. And so what God will sometimes do is he will allow our sense of need to draw us into a deeper relationship with him. Uh, One of the questions that I've had a lot when it comes to prayers is this. Why does God make us ask for things more than one time? Have you ever wondered that? Like, you know, we we talked about this a couple weeks ago about the importance of asking, seeking, knocking, like keep knocking, keep asking. Like, why does he do that? Is he hard of hearing? Is he busy with North Korea? Does he have his hands full in Washington? Like, Like, why does God make us ask for things more than once? And here's why I think it is. Because if God answered every one of our prayers right away, our relationship to God would look more like a debit card to a debit machine than a child to a father. And what is God after more than anything? It's a relationship with us. I think about my own child, Wyatt. Um, He's gotten in a bad habit recently where he'll wake up in the mornings and I'll say, hey, good morning, Wyatt. And he will just look at me and he'll say, I want breakfast. And I'll be like, okay, well, how about a good morning back or right? But he'll just say, no, I want breakfast. He doesn't acknowledge that I said hello to him. He doesn't say hi or how are you, dad, right? Just I want breakfast. And this past week, I just stopped him and I said, man, listen, before I try to give you anything, like you you need to say hello back to me or daddy, how are you or good morning, right? And here's the reason I do that. It's not that I'm trying to like punish my kid. It's not that I don't want him to have something good. I just want him to realize the importance of cultivating a relationship with his father. Likewise, listen, guys, whenever it comes to prayer, because the main point of prayer is not getting things from God, but it is getting God, he will at times allow our request to go unanswered for the sake of developing a deeper relationship with him, which is better than any gift that we could ever get. So that's another reason why at times prayers go unanswered. A fifth reason that we see prayers go unanswered is because of warfare. And what I mean by this is the truth that some of our prayers are not answered because God's will is being contradicted by spiritual forces of evil. And this is going to be kind of a weird one for some of you because unfortunately there's a great tragedy in our culture and the tragedy is in the American church we've kind of lost sight of Satan. Uh, Like we just think everything's just physical, what we see here and there, and we forget like we're in the middle of a battle right now. But we are in the middle of a spiritual struggle that sometimes delay responses to our prayer. And I'm just going to give you one text. We're not going to read it, but make a note of this. In Daniel chapter 10... Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 through 14. It's probably one of the most bizarre stories in all of the Bible. To be honest, I've read through the Bible many times, and by many times, I mean twice. And, 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 and I've read through it, and I've, I just came across this story this week as I'm studying on prayer. Okay, First time I've ever read the story, so maybe it's the first time for you as well. But here's kind of the summary. Daniel chapter 10, 10 through 14. The prophet Daniel has received a vision from the Lord. And so he's praying. He's like, I got a vision, but I have no idea what this means. So God, please give me an interpretation of the vision. Well, he doesn't get an answer. So what does Daniel do? He doesn't give up. He starts fasting. And he fasts and he prays for three whole weeks. How many of you in here have ever fasted for three weeks? Right? We've never done that. Daniel fasts and prays for three weeks looking for an answer. He's getting nothing, but eventually, right, the angel Gabriel comes to him. And again, read this in Daniel 10. The angel Gabriel comes to him, and here's what he says to Daniel. Hey, Daniel, 
Sorry, I'm just getting here. Um, so here's the deal. We actually heard your prayers the very first time, but when I was on the way over here to bring you the message, I got caught up in like some demonic traffic. And so, in fact, I got like in a big fight with the Prince of Persia, which don't think Disney movie, think like he's this, this, this uh, dark, like demonic force. Right? I, got, I got in a fight with the Prince of Persia, and it was such like a, just a gnarly, like hard fight that eventually Michael the Archangel had to come and help like, bail me out. And finally, after we got away from him, I was able to come and bring you your answer. Is that not crazy? I mean, that brings up all kinds of questions. I'm sure for you, it certainly does for me. But here's the point. Sometimes unanswered prayer has to do with you. And we're going to talk about that in our last two points. But sometimes unanswered prayer is the result of spiritual battles that take place in a world we can't even see. Sometimes that's what causes the delay in our prayers. So that's reason number five. It's warfare. Reason number six, and these last two do have to do with us, I would say sometimes the reason we don't get an answer to prayer is because of a lack of faith. And this is hard to hear. But the truth is sometimes we don't get an answer to prayers because we just don't believe God's going to answer our prayers. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. For example, in Matthew 21, 22, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if what? If you have faith. If you have faith, it seems like a conditional response. To have faith is simply to take God at his word, to believe he is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he's done. And Jesus says, if you have faith, I will answer you. I will give you what you are asking for. As Christians, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, whenever it comes to prayer, we should pray with a shameless audacity, knowing that we are coming to a good father and the authority of Jesus Christ. But if you think about how we pray at times, I mean, don't we often, when it comes to praying, especially for healing, it's like, we, it's like we give several disclaimers to God before we ask for healing. So we're like, okay, God, I want to pray that you heal my brother or my sister here, but um, I recognize it may not be your will, So, but we're going to pray for healing, but it may not be your will, and if it's not your will, we're going to praise you in the storm. And, uh, and so anyways, God, if you want to, if you don't mind, like, like yeah, we just pray, but again, if you don't do it, like, we understand, we know sometimes you don't do that, and like... And, and, just where's the faith in that? I mean, sometimes it's like we do that because we, we, just, we don't really believe anything is going to happen. We don't want to look like a fool when we pray for healing and the healing doesn't come about. And if you're here today and listen and you're struggling with faith to believe that God does respond and he does answer prayer, here's the good news. You don't have to muster that faith up within yourself. I think about the passage in Mark 9 where there's a man who has a son who is demon-possessed, and Jesus is walking through town, and he says, Jesus, if you can do anything, will you please heal my son? And Jesus says, if I can, all things are possible for those who believe. And how does the man respond? He says, well, I believe, but help my unbelief. In other words, I want to believe, but I'm really having a hard time believing right now, so God, can you please help me to believe? And how does Jesus respond? He doesn't say, well, sorry. If you don't have enough faith, I'm not going to help you. We'll see you later. No, Jesus heals the man's son. So if you're here and you struggle to believe, good news. You can even pray about that and ask God to give you the faith to help you believe more, and he will do that. But sometimes we don't see an answer to prayers because of lack of faith. And then finally, I would say this morning, another reason that we struggle to see an answer to prayers is because of unrepentant sin. Some prayers are not answered because... We have areas of disobedience in our lives that we cherish more than Jesus. And that, as a result, leads to unanswered prayer. In Psalm 66, 18, it's one of many verses we could look at, but the psalmist says this, 
If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to my prayers. Oftentimes, God will not answer our prayers. And it's not because he's a jerk, or it's not because he doesn't think we're holy enough, but because in his mercy, he will force us to deal with our sin. Because he knows that an answer to our prayers would distract us from dealing with a thing that could kill us. Rather than God giving us something that will create more sin in love, there are times where he will not answer our prayers in order to make us deal with the junk in our heart that is actually going to keep us from experiencing a deeper and richer and fuller life with him for all eternity. And therefore, that's one of the reasons that we will see unanswered prayer. So there's my list. Seven reasons why prayers at time go unanswered. And here's what I want to do. Before we dive into our practice for this week, let's talk about how we're going to practice prayer in light of this sermon. I just want to say this. My goal this morning has not at all been to decrease your faith in prayer. Some of you, maybe you look at that list and you're like, seven reasons for why God won't answer my prayer? Like, what are the odds of any of my prayers getting through? You know, so like, why even pray? And I just meant like, that has not at all been my heart to decrease your faith in prayer, but rather my goal was to help you understand that there are times where prayer is going to go unanswered. And here's what I want you to see. Look at that list again. What I want you to see in this sermon is sometimes our prayers go unanswered, but it's never because God is mad at you or because he doesn't love you or because he's not good or because he's not in control. And so when you pray, continue to go to God as a child goes to a father, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, with a boldness and a joy. And to help us deal with this tension of Jesus' promise, he's going to answer prayers along with the reality of unanswered prayer, here's what we're going to do for our practice this week as a church. And again, you'll dive into this more in your missional communities. Is I just want to encourage you this week to pray through a psalm of lament. And if you're like, what in the world is a psalm of lament? Well, basically, a psalm of lament is a prayer throughout the book of Psalms that teaches us how to take our grief and our frustration and our complaints to God. And a lot of times, you know, we don't like to pray this way. But if you think about it, I didn't know this until this past week. There are 150 psalms in the scripture. You know how many of them are prayers of lament? (coughs) Two-thirds of them are prayers of lament that are here to teach us how to pray in the midst of the frustration. And I'm just going to give you one example in Psalm 13. Um, You don't have to flip there uh, if you don't want. I think we can put it on the screen for you. But in Psalm 13, this is actually the psalm I'm going to use this week to pray through in this practice. But here's a psalm of lament, an example for you. Look how the psalmist prays here. Chapter 13, verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Do you notice here in this prayer, there is no starting the prayer with worship and adoration. There is no starting with, my Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The psalmist says, how long? Like, like, how long, God? Like, this is not right. Like, I don't want my life to be this way. Like, are you not going to answer? Do something, God. 
I mean, you sense the frustration in here. The longing of life should not be this way. And I love just this raw prayer because, again, right, these psalms are here to teach us how to pray. And what do we learn from the psalms of men? The point of prayer is this. Listen, you've got to get this. The point of prayer, prayer is not a place to be good. Prayer is a place to be honest. Prayer is a place where you leak your soul to God with the edit button off. And then God meets you in your place of pain. That's what we see. And so the practice this week is, is just this. Here's what I encourage you to do. Find a quiet place a few times this week where you can just be in the presence of God. And the way that works for me is I have to sit in my kitchen before anybody gets up in the, middle of the, day, or in the morning. Because when my day gets going, it's just going to be chaotic. And I won't get any more quiet time until it's time to go to bed. And by that point, I'm exhausted. So for me, it's in the morning. And I sit at my kitchen table um, during the winter time, And I just breathe and I say... Okay, God, you're here. Help me to be here. And then what, what I'm going to encourage you to do this week is to open up to Psalm 13, to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and begin to read through this psalm. And after you read through it, what I want to encourage you to do is get a journal, use your note on your phone or a piece of scrap paper, whatever, and begin to just write out your complaints to God. Write out, just one by one, the things that you're frustrated with God about. The things that maybe are unanswered prayers or the things that have been bothering you or making you anxious. And then just make those complaints known to God. Try taking them to him. And I don't mean like in this like millennial aggression kind of way, but in just a brutal honesty with a father who you know is good and has good intentions for your life. And then after you do that, close with worshiping God. Notice that's what happens in Psalm 13. At the very end of verse 5 and 6, we'll read that, we'll be done. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love, and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Maybe because of unanswered prayer, you're having a hard time with this last part. Maybe you have a hard time because of unanswered prayer worshiping God. Because of unanswered prayers, you're having a hard time believing that God is good and that he is in control and therefore... You're having a hard time believing that he really is worthy of worship. And if that's where you are, I just want to end with one final quote today from Philip Yancey. And here's what he says. The unanswered prayer for Jesus occurred in the Garden of Gethsemane. Did you know that Jesus had prayers that went unanswered? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, God, if there be any other way, please let this cup pass of me. And he heard silence. So you're in good company today if you've had unanswered prayer. The unanswered prayer for Jesus occurred in the Garden of Gethsemane when, as Martin Luther put it, God struggled with God. While Jesus lay prostrate on the ground, sweat falling from him like drops of blood, his prayers took on the uncharacteristic tone of pleading. He offered up prayer and petitions with loud cries and tears to his Father. However, when Jesus prayed to the one who could save him from death, he did not get that salvation. He instead got the salvation of the world. I don't know what the reasons are for why God has not answered some of your prayers. But I know this. It is not because God does not love you. It is not because he is not good. And it's not because he's not in control. And if you're having a hard time believing that today, look to the cross. Where because of an unanswered prayer from the Son of God, you can now sit here today forgiven and freed, rescued from sin and death in hell.